Welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, it's the last of the positional preview episodes for fantasy football in 2023. I'll be talking top 20 tight ends for fantasy in 2023. And I'll also have two bold takes on this episode. Fantasy Football Draft Guide episode, the one coming up after this one. So keep an eye out for announcements about that on the Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. And you can send emails at second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. But I'm glad to be back dropping yet a new episode after the flurry of episodes just a little while ago, about a week and a half ago. Now we're back for tight ends and got a couple of bold takes to catch up on. I'm really excited for these. It's late July. Training camp is underway and that's going to influence one of these bold take storylines. Although to be honest, it's one that, Really, training camp didn't necessarily need to have a lot of bearing on for this particular bold take. Maybe it's going to be the boldest take that has ever been said on the show in terms of the number of spots I'm predicting this guy to rise. So stay tuned. That's coming up in just a sec. But be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second goal fantasy gmail.com is where you can send your fantasy questions. Like I mentioned, leave a review, all of that. We got top 20 tight ends coming up. In just a moment. But first, a couple of bold takes for today's episode. And the first bold take, the fifth of the offseason, the recorded bold takes that we play back at the end of the year. So this is going to be number five. Justin Ross, the wide receiver, 114 on Fantasy Pros, who's not even going drafted or close to drafted or anywhere close to drafted. It's going to be a top 60 receiver fantasy receiver in 2023 that's the take it's as simple as that he could even be higher this guy has loads and loads and loads of potential for you college football fans of course back several years ago he tore it up in his freshman season was looking like perhaps the 1b to jamar chase's 1a in that upcoming draft class for a little while was justin ross looking like a first round pick looking like he had all the upside in the world then he had a back or a neck injury had surgery missed the season came back came back to clemson still put up okay numbers but was dealing with a foot injury he's still been dealing with that foot injury which kept him out all of last season but he was a training camp hype, hype piece in his rookie year last season now he's coming back to the chiefs and he's getting first team reps first team reps with Kadarius tony out making big cuts making big plays and of course all chiefs wide receivers have been getting hyped this training camp of course there is some form of overhyping going on but justin ross has a different pedigree than these guys at six foot four and 201 pounds in that absolute absurd route running the injury history is enormous that's the problem but if he stays on the field with Patrick Mahomes where is the competition for Justin Ross there's not he could be the wide receiver three the wide receiver two even the wide receiver one on this team the Kansas City Chiefs the upside is there the upside's there there's no cap on the upside he could have this year he could go crazy he could be a fantasy football league winner he's sitting outside the top 100 receivers and could be a fantasy football league winner i am all in it sounds crazy but it also sounds crazy how low he's ranked i was looking for justin ross and i was like i want to do a bold take on him let me see where he is and i was looking in the 50s and 60s couldn't find him scrolled all the way down he is draftable in fantasy football take him in the last round I know I already said take Jalen Hyatt in the last round of your fantasy drafts. That's that's a hard decision, but I mean, you probably got to go with Jalen Hyatt there because I also think Jalen Hyatt's got a ton of upside. And But 
There is a case to be made for taking Justin Ross there as well. And Justin Ross, I think, deserves to go at the back of drafts. So get both of them. Why not? Last two rounds of the draft, Jalen Hyatt, Justin Ross, two fantasy football league winners with guys with league winner potential. I should say, because they're going in the late rounds, but I think both of them are going to exceed their ADP by a ton. Justin Ross will be in the top 60. He'll be worth a draft pick when all is said and done. Also, another bold take on the show. This one about a running back, Khalil Herbert. The RB35 will be a top 25 fantasy running back in half PPR in 2023. And that's going to be a little harder to do, it seems, in half PPR because he can't catch passes as well. But to that, I say I don't care. Khalil Herbert... It's absurd that people think he's not going to be the RB1. Absolutely absurd. You look at last year and you had a really three down guy in David Montgomery who can catch passes and run between the tackles. And Khalil Herbert still looked often more explosive and was used in tandem with David Montgomery. Now he's gone and all they've replaced him with is Deontay Foreman, who, while he had stretches of relevance with the Panthers and with the Texans, has never been as good of an RB. And he's not going to be as good between the tackles as Khalil Herbert is because Khalil Herbert was already developing into a star. It's like people wrote him off and decided just because he doesn't catch passes doesn't mean that they're going to means they're suddenly not going to use him in real life. That's not how it's going to be. Khalil Herbert will have work as the starter. He's a starting running back going outside the top 32. That should already tell you something strange is going on. And Khalil Herbert, again, will probably jump into that fantasy RB 25 spot or higher into that RB two threshold with all the injuries that happens to happen to running backs over the years. He's been durable. He's been explosive. He has home run hitting ability. He has ever since his days at Virginia tech, and he's woefully underrated right now. So you should probably go grab him in fantasy drafts at that price because you could grab your RB2 at the price of a back-end RB3. That's all I'm saying. That's a couple of bold takes for you. I was very, very passionate about these. Four more coming up for the rest of the offseason. That's six for you so far, and we play these back at the end of the season on the podcast. But let's do tight ends, top 20 fantasy football tight ends for 2023 the number one tight end on fantasy pros and in all fantasy drafts is travis kelsey of course i just discussed how justin ross could be patrick mahomes's wide receiver one but the thing is there's never going to be a guy who supplants travis kelsey as mahomes's top target this season that's what he is that's what he will continue to be he is fantastic Always been one of the best. He's now one of the, of course, one of the most prolific pass catching tight ends in NFL history. He's been on the tier of his own for years and years in fantasy and has shown no signs of slowing down. You can absolutely take him in that the back of the first round, for example, early second round in fantasy drafts. And there's just like, like it even matters because Travis Kelsey was still insane with Tyree kill, but there's not much competition. Again, you had wide receiver, you got Kadarius, Tony, you got MVS, at Marquez Valdez, Scantling, then Sky Moore, and then a guy like Justin Ross. And none of those guys, are, no matter how good they are, are going to supplant Travis Kelsey in his role as the tight end one. Last last year, people thought Noah Gray was going to take over and like take some work from Travis Kelsey. How silly is that? That was the dumbest take I saw probably all fantasy offseason last year. And people were saying it. Nobody's doubting him now. As long as he is playing, he should be drafted this highly or until we see some significant shift, which isn't likely. I think it's going to be fantastic. 
The tight end, too, is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews should have another fantastic season, but there is going to be, in my opinion, a bigger gap just a little bit between him and Travis Kelsey this year than usual because everybody's trying to draft Mark Andrews in that same spot, but I think he's a little bit overvalued with guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman there. There's, I mean, especially with Flowers and Beckham, new guys heading into Baltimore. And the scary part is for... Mark Andrews is that they operate in the same level of the field, that short to intermediate area, especially guys like Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman. They operate similar in similar areas to where Mark Andrews is. And so I don't know if he's going to be as much of a target hog as he was in years past. I think that target share is going to go drop a little bit. And Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball a ton to begin with. Obviously, this offense could change, of course, with Todd Monk in there instead of Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator. But I still don't think Lamar Jackson is going to throw the ball significantly more. And so I think Mark Andrews does see a slight dip this year. He's going to be elite nonetheless because he's such a good tight end. But he sees a slight dip, I think, with Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman, all three talented receivers there to compete with. Then the tight end, three, four, five, six, TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard. TJ Hawkinson at the tight end, three, makes sense. He could be, at least at the start of the season, the number two target for Kirk Cousins while Jordan Addison settles in. I expect Addison to settle in sooner rather than later and become that number two target and be excellent in the offense. But TJ Hawkinson will at least stay the number three in a pass-heavy offense that just lost Dalvin Cook. He is going to be really, really good underneath. With the Vikings and how many points they put up, that's an increased likelihood for touchdowns compared to where he was in Detroit with the Lions last year. This was a good trade for all signs, and TJ Hawkinson should still be clicking for fantasy. Same with George Kittle, if he can stay healthy and if he can get consistent volume, because with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey all catching passes, volume can be a slight concern at times for George Kittle, but explosive plays are not. So we'll see maybe some inconsistency from him, but we'll also see some big weeks. It's going to make him worth top five tight end status once again this year. Now let's look at a mystery. The tight end five, Kyle Pitts. He's a huge mystery with Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke now at QB. Arthur Smith has just not drawn up very many plays for Kyle Pitts to get the football. He's had a couple of disappointing years. He got 1,000 yards his rookie season, but still a couple of disappointing years and hasn't scored a ton of touchdowns, hasn't dominated like we thought he would. But it, to be fair to Kyle Pitts and to be fair to cast some hope for a potential breakout season, tight ends in year three typically take a big leap. It typically takes them a while to get acclimated to the league, but in year three, in particular, and especially later in those careers, but starting in year three, guys who have the talent of Kyle Pitts have lots of potential to break out. So Kyle Pitts, the breakout train has been chugging along and chugging along despite all the adversity and the challenges, but this year could be the year that Kyle Pitts leaps into top three tight end status. He still has that upside. He's six foot six, just an absolute dominant force. One of the best tight end prospects we've seen in such a long time, years and years and years. There's a reason he went four in the draft just a couple of years ago. We should not forget. He's still fantastic. Great player. After that, you got Dallas Goddard at the tight end six. I think we should expect more of the same of him. He's going to be a third target in the Eagles offense that does like to run the ball with Jalen Hurts. So it's a little bit concerning. And Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown are both big target hogs. So for Goddard, maybe not a ton of huge games we're going to see out of him, but I think we'll see a bunch of safe floor games. That's going to be enough to make him top 10 tight end for the coming year. Darren Waller at the tight end seven is in a new home. And with the giants, the biggest issue is whether he's going to be able to stay on the field. But outside of that, 
there isn't a ton of competition. And so I do think there's justification for taking a guy like Darren Waller over a guy like Dallas Goddard, even though Waller's coming off of a down season, because we've seen that how Daniel Jones has thrived even without incredible receivers. And now like Darren Waller is the most proven target that's in this offense. He could be used very, very heavily. And when you have a tight end that that's, that's that talented, that could be used as a top option in a decent offense. There's a lot to like there. I do like Darren Waller at his draft position. Evan Ingram, the tight end eight, the we're going to expect to see a little bit of a drop off from him because Calvin Ridley is coming back from his gambling suspension. Now on the Jaguars, Christian Kirk had a big year last year. Ingram will settle into that number three role, but as long as you get a tight end who's in like the top three pass catchers in a good offense or number two or number one in a bad offense, they can still be productive. And Evan Ingram is sitting right there comfortably at number three, even though guys, a guy like Travis Etienne is still there. Ingram should still get some work underneath. And then there's Pat Fryermuth, and it's interesting because Pittsburgh drafted Darnell Washington out of Georgia in the third round, also got Deontay Johnson, also got George Pickens. So they're, the consistent target share may not always be there with a guy like Kenny Pickett, but Fryermuth has been used heavily, even in his first few years in the league, coming out of Penn State, still performed very, very well, and he's developed a rapport with Kenny Pickett to where even if he's not going to get a ton of touchdowns, the floor seems to be there like he's not he's going to be steady where he is. And the Steelers don't have like a dominant wide receiver. They definitely do have a target hog wide receiver in Deontay Johnson. But Pat Fryermuth is still going to be relied upon for big plays. David Njoku, the newly extended tight end, is number 10. There's some upside here, but also it scares me. I don't like David Njoku all that much for fantasy because he's gotten hype for years. And even though the team has spent capital on him and now extended him, he still hasn't continued to do that much. It's going to depend on the breakout of Deshaun Watson. But even if Deshaun Watson breaks out, he's still got Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore, guys who are short to intermediate route runner types who could take a lot of targets over the middle and that could take away from even an athletic tight end such as David Njoku with when you have two guys at receiver who are that talented I still think Elijah Moore is underrated makes David Njoku a little bit overrated for me I'd rather have a guy like Dalton Schultz for example who's the tight end 11 in Houston could be one of the top targets for CJ Stroud because I mean it's really just Robert Woods John Mechie Nico Collins over there it's not that crazy to expect that Dalton Schultz could step in and get a good amount of targets, top 10, top eight target share, top six target share in the league in terms of tight ends with CJ Stroud. There's lots of upside with the rookie QB, lots of risk as well, but tight ends can be safe even with a bad QB, like I mentioned, when they're the number one or the number two option in their offense. And that can definitely happen with Dalton Schultz. The tight end 12 is Greg Dulcich. It, on Denver, of course, with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and now Tim Patrick, this is crowded. And this is where it gets a little murky because he might not be a top three target in that offense, but he's still shown flashes over the past couple of years. This is where you're really getting into the dart throw area. Like Chigo Conquo, who's the tight end 13, he really hasn't shown much in the league. But the upside is, of course, that the Titans have um the ability to give him make him now the third option of course it was the future is a little bit more bright before the titans signed deandre hopkins but now i mean as a third option for ryan Tannehill, it could work out although i'm not that high on him considering how this offense still funnels through derrick henry cole Komet, the tight end 14 actually has some upside he really disappeared for a lot of last year under justin fields but also had some flashes it just 
I, I still think that Chase Claypool is not really going to ever pan out. And so it'll probably be DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and then it could be Cole Komet as that third target. Of course, if Claypool does pan out, then Komet could drop to that number four target, which is going to be less appealing for his fantasy value, but there's still a little bit of upside at this spot. Last few guys, you got Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Dalton Kincaid, Juwan Johnson, Mike Gesicki, and Trey McBride. And Higby at the tight end 15, he's been around for years. The upside's still going to be pretty low because guys like there, there's just a Cooper Cup, of course, the target dominant player, more so maybe than anybody else in the league, except for like Justin Jefferson at this point. Um, and then after that, Ben Skronik, Tutu Atwell, and really an anemic offense overall. Matthew Stafford is just, these guys have worked together. And at the end of the day, it's he's rarely targeted Tyler Higby consistently. So that's where you're going to trust like the years that they've been together and re- really hasn't worked out as of yet. Gerald Everett at tight end 16 has shown some upside and streaming ability in the past with Quentin Johnston on the roster. That scares me in terms of him potentially falling to the number four target. Dalton Kincaid at tight end 17 is interesting. We don't typically see rookie tight ends work out right away, but we also don't necessarily see guys with his pass catching prowess come along often. And he went in the end of the first round to a Bills offense that already has some receivers and a good tight end in Dawson Knox. So I think this makes Dalton Kincaid potentially very, very valuable weapon. The Bills haven't decided how they're going to use him as of yet reportedly, but he could step into that number three target role or maybe even number two target role. There's upside there. There's also risk. But I do like the upside of picking the rookie late in drafts over some other quote unquote, like safe options that can't really give you very much. Juwan Johnson at tight end 18 is going to be a red zone threat, but we're still going to see Taysom Hill taking snaps from him. The good part for him is that Adam Troutman is now gone, but Chris Olave and Michael Thomas remain lots of bodies in there. But Juwan Johnson, it's the problem is because he's so touchdown dependent that you just never know which week to start and which week is going to be good. And sometimes that unpredictability will cost you in fantasy. Mike Gesicki at the tight end 19. I mean, the Patriots just have a million different random receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster, et cetera, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Tyquan Thornton, of course, just a million different guys. And Gesicki hasn't panned out these last few years. Um, last year, of course, was okay in flashes with the Dolphins. But really, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle were dominating that scene. I don't expect much from him, especially given the Patriots history with signing tight ends and Hunter Henry is still there at least. Although, I mean, John Smith is gone forever. It appears he's I mean, gone forever to the Falcons. It's easy to forget he's on the Falcons. Can you imagine if there, everybody thought the Kyle Pitts breakout was going to happen and instead it was finally the John U. Smith breakout because he's also a very, very athletic tight end who, I mean, has a lot of physical tools to be successful, just didn't pan out in the NFL. But anyway, back to tight ends. I mean, Trey McBride is the tight end 20 here. And this is interesting because it all depends on what role he can build early in the year before Zach Ertz comes back from his injury. He's going to have to play with a backup QB in Colt McCoy, which does scare me a little bit for fantasy. But also this Cardinals receiving room, especially now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone, is just not that crowded anymore. Trey McBride, it's going to be a chance to see whether he is truly good, whether the spending of a second round pick on him was worth it or whether he maybe he'll settle more into a blocking tight end role, which is the worry, but there is some upside early in the season to draft Trey McBride here and really sell high. If he doesn't pan out for you right away, or I mean, or no, sorry, if you sell high, if he does pan out for you right away and then Zach Ertz is returning and then his value could drop. 
So that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate it as always. Keep posted on the Twitter. Check the Twitter because the Fantasy Football Draft Guide episode is coming out soon. I'll let you know when at Calvin underscore SGF on Twitter, at SGF pod for the podcast, secondgoalfantasy at gmail.com. It's where you can send your fantasy questions. Thank you all for tuning in. Another great episode. I will see you next time.